As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. James, as uh, one of our fellow podcasts, um, No Dunks, likes to say when there's a trade, we have a trade. We have a trade. trade. We have a trade. We're a little, like, we're not, like, it didn't just happen, like, five minutes ago, but it is pretty fresh. It happened on Friday night when I was asleep, when you were awake. 10.52 Friday night, and I have a brutal cold. I I was really sick Friday, so I was in bed all day. And then I was about to go back to bed. <laughs> I was lying in bed. And my wife's like, turn off your phone. And I was like, oh, there's a trade. <laughs> 10.52 on Friday night. And I thought, I don't know if you heard it or not, but Chris Johnston on, on their podcast, which which is fantastic, the podcast he did, the Chris Johnston show with, uh, with Julian McKenzie, he had a good explanation for why the Leafs always seem to announce these trades at these god-awful times. And the answer is that the Leafs don't want it to leak out like they want to be the ones that announce it so whenever they get the trade done that's when they announce it where some other teams would get the deal done on friday night and then announce it you know saturday afternoon or whenever they feel like is a better time to announce it and the leafs don't want to wait through the middle of the night i think there is and i think cj's talked about this or, or no actually uh elliot friedman talked about it on our pod last week there was like some little 
carryover from the Lula Morello era to Kyle Dubas on that kind oh, of stuff. Like I, he little, little well, I, don't, I mean like that's I not, I think a, it carried over a lot. Well, that kind of stuff, it definitely carried over a lot. A lot of other things it obviously didn't. Yeah. Everyone's got a beard now. Yeah. Oh my God. Remember that was a rule. How would geez. That's insane. The PR guys and the GM and all this. Everyone's got a beard. Crazy that that was a rule. All right. So the trade, I'm going to read off from their release just so I don't get anything wrong. The Leafs acquire Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari in a three-team trade with St. Louis and Minnesota. St. Louis receives a couple players first in 2023, a third from Ottawa via Ottawa in 2023. The Leafs second in 2024. Minnesota gets the Leafs fourth in 2025. St. Louis retains 50% of Ryan O'Reilly's contract. Minnesota retains 25%. And that's it, I think. So, so I, I, just yeah. to, yeah, go, to go back a little bit, like you were asleep. Yep. I text. I texted you like right as soon as I saw that it happened. As you usually do. 10.51 Friday. And I just texted you trade. And then I laughed because the next morning I got you texted me at 7 something a.m. And all you said was, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so did you just like wake up and as soon as you turned on your phone, it like exploded? Yeah. So one of the things like I usually do in the morning is I don't like looking at my phone. Like I like to have my coffee. I read the newspaper. Like I kind of like have yeah, like an hour. do that in our job when well, the trade deadline's in 12 days. Well, that's exactly it. And so I see your text and then I just start thinking about what I'm going to. Oh, so right. I'm glad. So my, my note actually, like I was thinking like I, I sent it to a couple of people. I sent it to some of our managers and editors because like people were like people were actively going to bed or almost asleep. And Aaron Yeomanson, who's one of our editors, I, I sent him a message that just said trade. And he's like, he's like, I got back out of bed and <laughs> got to work. And because we had to, you know, we put up like trade grades and we have like a news hit that goes up. And, you know, we ended up having, I think we had five stories go up on Friday night. Well, and you wrote one. So your initial reaction to the trade, uh, if people haven't read that, go back and read it. Uh, but your takeaway was what at like a big picture level? Um. I, I liked it. It was, they gave up more than I thought they were going to, but yeah. you know, I think, I think getting Achari was, was part of why like four picks looks like a lot. Like just even when you see it, like how often in an NHL trade are there four draft picks? How often have you seen a first, second, third and a fourth given up? But you know, the, the X factor is the, the retention and the double retention and Achari is a pretty good player. Like Achari probably would have got maybe a second round pick mm. in a trade to somewhere else. Like he's a center, got maybe a third, but he's like in that ballpark, right? Yeah. So like there were, there were two of those picks are for retention basically. Yeah. The fourth and the third, right? Unless, yeah. Unless you think, yeah. Unless you think Achari is worth a third and then I guess maybe that, I don't know, but it was, it was a lot. I, I like. I, I liked it though. It's interesting that there was so much talk about the Leafs not wanting to give up the first round pick for a rental, and then they did. And you were asking me like, why do you think it played out that way? Um, so that was like mildly surprising, but with where the Leafs are at, and you talked about it a lot leading up to like you with where they're at, trade the pick, and so I think that it, I think it's good that they did. The other thing too is that there's not there wasn't a lot available. Right, like if if you don't get if Kane's not coming here, and it's not O'Reilly, and it's not, and you're going to miss on Timo Meyer because the asking price is too high. What what exactly are you doing? How are you making the Ford Group better? 
Yeah. So that was actually one of the things that you sent to me uh, when we were debating like Kane and Meyer and, and all these different options. You're like, Barbashev might be like the second best player available. And I was like, oh man, like really? <laughs> like if that's, if that's the case. That's like why the- you do it. That's why you do it. Well, so let's like, let's talk about that price and and let's talk about what they said about the first round pick and not trading in Kyle Dubas. That, that was like 10 days before where he didn't say like, we will never do this, but he said, I can't see that happening for a rental. And, and that just never made any sense to me. And like, who cares? Like in the end, like what they say and what they do, like it doesn't really matter. Well, it's good. It's probably good posturing too, right? Like if you're negotiating with St. Louis and you're saying you're not willing to do that, then... But I mean, the reality is that Doug Armstrong said the Blues GM said there there weren't that many teams after O'Reilly. The ones that were were going to give up a first round pick. So if the Leafs were going to be part of the teams bidding for him, they had to give up a first round pick. Well, and it's like to that's your just, point, that's James. The like, bottom line: if you're not going to, let's say you say like you draw a red line, you say we're not giving a first round pick. St. Louis is like, okay, peace. We'll take a first round pick from someone else. And then what are you doing? Like then what's what's your move? Because to get. Meyer, who obviously has you're, different contractual you, situations. You're definitely giving up a first-round pick. a first-round pick in that. Like, if you want to get Kane, I mean, maybe you're not, but, like, maybe you are. I don't know. Like, well, obviously, he plays a big part in that determination, but it's like, okay, well, then what are you doing? Like, how are you, to your point, how are you improving the team? I just think, like, James, I was thinking about, like, what uh, Florida gave up for Claude Giroux, and I think they gave up a first, a third, and Tippett, and they got back, like, I think they got back, like, a prospect or something, but it's like... I don't know. This they the Leafs also got Achari. They also got uh, Ryan O'Reilly's contract double retention. I don't know. Like I, I don't. The, the price doesn't really bother me. Do you think it's crazy to pay that much for two guys who are not under no, contract? It's a lot, but that's the going rate right now. I mean, and I think part of it is that I've seen some people say it's a buyer's market. I think it's a seller's market because there aren't that many good players available. So the sellers are Gavrikov's going to get a lot. I mean, what are the other... Kane's a unique one because he can pick wherever he goes so that he might not necessarily fetch a lot. But yeah. anyone who's a... Like, Meyer's going to get a crazy asking price if, if he ends up getting traded. Well, I mean, I'm going to pull up the athletic trade board just to remind me There ain't and a you. lot there. Well, let's there, see. There ain't, there ain't a lot there, Jonas. Well, so it's... So. Gavrikov is, is one you mentioned. He came in at... He is number, what is he, four, I guess? Okay. Five. Okay, well, this, uh, so there's Timo Meyer, there's Jacob Chikrin, there's Patrick Kane. Yeah, like, it's just, there's just not a lot of, like, impact. Especially at forward, like, forward, there's, you know, Ryan O'Reilly's a guy who you can play, I mean, he's a legit top center in the league. So, I mean, I know he's he's older and hasn't had a great season, but he's he's a very, very – makes a big impact. Okay. Well, let's talk about that fit because obviously I think when you compare him to some of the other guys we've just talked touched on like Kane, Meyer, I think the fit is – I think he does more for them than those guys might have. Like Meyer's obviously a better player. He's a higher-end offensive player. But the fact that you can – play O'Reilly at center, which means you don't have to necessarily play John Tavares at center. The fact that he's defensively, he can play against other teams' top lines. The fact that he's obviously really good in the face-off circle, he can kill penalties, he can help your power play. Like, I just think he can do a lot of different stuff for him. How do you think he fits? And, and were you surprised to see him land in the lineup where he did, where he centered that second line with Tavares and Marner? 
And I was a little bit surprised. You and I were debating before the, the Montreal game where I thought they would put O'Reilly on the wing and keep Tavares. But I understand the reasoning that Sheldon Keefe said where he wanted to keep the players. They just they literally just got there. Like they flew all day and keep the keep Achari and O'Reilly in their natural positions, put them both at center and then go from there. I, I don't know what you think, Jonas, after watching them for two games. I think there's going to be some experimentation that goes on here. It's kind of nice that they get the the guys two weeks early, two weeks before the deadline, because they've got a little bit more time to kind of move them around the lineup and see. Mm -hmm. You know, I think you're going to see O'Reilly play some at left wing. I think you're going to see him play third line center a little bit. I think they're going to move move it around and until they find something they like. I think there's no doubt about that, and that's like Sheldon Keefe has said as much. And we saw we've seen it basically with everybody they acquire that they kind of try them all over the place. You remember when they got Nick Foligno? I think like his first game, he played with Matthews and Marner, if I'm not mistaken. Like he had that quarantine for like, what was it, 14 days or whatever it was. But I just think, and like my point to you is if you're- Do you, do you remember when they first got Muzzin and they were moving, they had tried they Riley tried on with Riley. his offside. Yeah. Remember that? What was the line Mike Babcock had about that? And I can't remember. They, he was grumpy when they got he, Muzzin. Because well, it was just like, uh, he's a left shot and we need a right shot. Um. But my point to you is, if you're going to play him in the top six, and you're going to play him like with Tavares, he should be the center. I just don't, I just don't know what the what's better for the team is O'Reilly at center. I guess the thing is, like Tavares has spent his entire career at center. How is he going to adjust to the wing? But like this happens, like guys move to the wing, like Joe Pavelski, Steven Stamkos. Yeah, but I don't know. They don't normally do it with twenty games left in the season for the first time. You know, like normally well, it's something counter you, you James. Do. Like it's not like he's not done this. Like they play him at left wing here and there, just about every game. But it, to your point, like it's not like he does this regularly. Did Tavares talk about it at all? Did he? Did he talk to the media? Uh, I haven't seen the post game in. He wasn't available after the Saturday night game. I haven't seen if he spoke about it after the Sunday game. Um, we'll have we'll have to ask. But you him remember, James, like at the Olympics, he moved over and played the wing. Now, obviously, that's a different situation. Like they have a million amazing centers. Um, but I think that makes sense. I, I guess one of the points you were making to me uh, during the Chicago game is like, can you have Tavares and O'Reilly together? Given they're not quick dudes yeah i just wonder if that works i mean i guess i guess marner is the one that's providing the the engine for that line yeah but i think moving the pieces around and experimenting a little bit makes sense i don't i don't know but i guess you could put Tavares up with with matthews and see what yep. happens that's another thing you could do you could go bunting o'reilly marner if you wanted you could go Tavares with matthews and neilander and just like stuff those guys in the offensive zone what i like like of the potential for that line is now you really have a, a line that can play against Tampa's top line and not just like be a safeguard like that camp line is, but actually like put some pressure on them offensively. Like they didn't have a great two games together. I don't think it was better, a little bit better in Chicago, but you saw moments even in that Montreal games where they were just like all over Montreal and just like grinding them down. And obviously that's Montreal. Like, they're not a good team, yeah. but you could kind of see it's the hard potential. To read into, yeah, games. It's, it's too bad that they had two opponents who weren't. I mean, I know they lost to Chicago, but it's too. It was. It's hard to like really tell what this team is yet with these guys. Yeah, but so I, I like. I think that makes sense. I like the idea of that. I guess the the other option 
you've touched on, we both written about and talked about is you play O'Reilly in the third center spot, you move Camp down to the fourth center spot. But then my problem with that is like you you have that same issue on the second line left wing that you've had all year that you were trying to figure out. You know what I mean? Like you have really- an issue on the third line too, because like, are you giving O'Reilly enough to work with? To, well, to good be, question. Yeah. P- part of the problem in St. Louis is that he was playing with Josh Levo and Brandon Saad. And like the reason why he hasn't proved slot offensively is because of who he was playing with. And yeah. they were using him in a really heavy defensive role. If you do that here, all of a sudden you, you know, you made this huge acquisition for a big name guy who's not going to like, I, you put him in a, in a better place to succeed. If he's playing with good players, I guess the other thing I've toyed around with Jonas is like, can you like break, can you move Nylander down or like, I don't know, like, do you, do you play bunting with O'Reilly or I don't know, like if you have him on the third line, do you like kind of, but then again, like you're, I don't know, you're going to be putting somebody in the top six who you're not excited about. Well, I liked, I I didn't mind you sent me like a, a play around lineup where you had, Matthews, Marner, and Nealander all on separate lines. And I think you had O'Reilly with right. uh, Marner and Tavares with Nealander. Yeah. I don't like I don't hate that because then suddenly you've got threats on a, on three different lines. You can use I mean, O'Reilly and Marner. fourth line then, right? You can just play the, the three lines can play all the minutes. Yeah, and like you can kind of shelter, let's say it's Kerfoot, Tavares, Nealander, you could shelter a line like that. Like I don't I don't mind that. Um but I I I, I kind of think the best look will be what they did in that first game. I mean, we'll see if it works out with O'Reilly, Tavares, and Marner. I do like, and, and the numbers support this, um, that fourth line suddenly actually looks like it can do something. Um, it they provides some energy. Chicago. Yeah, right? That was probably their best line against Chicago. When I looked, they had like 90% possession and expected goals, and all of a sudden you have you have good players down the lineup, which they've been lacking for a long time well and it, it kind of feels to me like achari has has energized i don't who knows but like zach aston reese suddenly looks energized and like that line is like forechecking and like achari's obviously physical and now aston reese is is picking up his physicality and like that line like you think of everything you think of the playoffs and you think that line could potentially pose some problems for like bellamar perry and maroon if that's who they play against like they're not they, maybe they don't win the matchup, but they're not getting hammered like some of those fourth lines in the past. Like, I like Achari. Like, I think he, I guess you were pointing out, like, foot speed is a, maybe a little bit of an issue. He's not yeah, super I had big. Like, someone with an, yeah. Someone with another team who was watching the game sent me a message during the game and said, the only problem with Achari is you, you get him against, like, Boston or Tampa and he's not skating is is it and, he, and he's playing center that that's one thing you got to worry about with him yeah no like the the counter is like it's not like tampa's fourth line is like full of speedsters and like nick felino's playing on boston's fourth line thomas nosek like those guys are not like burners um but i i think he can give them a little bit of offense too which obviously they've like got nothing well he's got 11 goals i mean yeah he scored 20 in the league before i think was it with florida it was with florida had, yeah. or was it with boston no florida yeah with florida you know, he's, he's so, I mean, 20 goal. And I think that was, I don't even think he played the 80 games that year. So, you know, it, he knows, I don't know. He's a pretty straight line player, but I think that they needed some more of those. Now, uh, we touched on this. We did like a conversation piece together last week, just before the trade. Um, how much do you think O'Reilly has left? Like, I still think he's a good player. I don't think it's the same as Felino. He's, he's younger. He's, 
more wow. recently been a very high end player. And like you pointed out, like who is he playing with in St. Louis? How many con smites has Nick Felino won? I mean, it's like yeah. it's a completely different compare. I, the only comparison is the Leafs acquired them for a first round pick and they had an injury. Like there's not other than that, there's not they're different players. Yeah. You know, O'Reilly's a center. He's a guy who's been in the running for the Selkie trophy year after year. You know, go down go down the list. I thought it was I pointed out to you that I don't know if you noticed on the broadcast, but they had a clip of when Power Play Two went out there, O'Reilly was telling everyone where to go and where to set up and like he had there was a long sequence where he was talking to you know these guys who he just met and telling them you know how he wanted things done and it's like here's a guy who's been a captain in the nhl and who has some clout and he'll have to settle into that a little bit but the other thing too i can't remember who someone else i think maybe it was elliot that pointed it out on the broadcast but here's a guy who's been traded a lot too like he knows He's been with a bunch of different teams. He's integrated into different lineups. It's not really like a shock to the system that he's been in one place for a long period of time. Yeah, I guess the only difference is those other trades were summer trades. But yeah, I I, I think like you mentioned, like how much time they have left. I think that's like a sneaky part of the trade is you talk to players who get traded midseason and they say it usually takes, takes like a couple months just to like get comfortable I don't think it'll take him a couple months. Like, I think... Maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. But you know what I hadn't but, realized, but yeah. James? Like, obviously, you know about the Conn Smythe and that year with St. Louis where he wins the Conn Smythe, he wins the Stanley Cup, he wins the Selkie. But his playoff production, like, in his career is outstanding. Now, obviously, it's fueled a lot by that run, but he's, like, almost a point per game in the playoffs if you, like, minus... Isn't his, in his, yeah. isn't his point per game in the playoffs better than the regular season? Isn't yeah, it? yeah. You know, there are not very many players you can say. I mean, Danny Briere was always one of those guys that you could say that about, but there's, there's not very many players that that do that. Yeah, like if you take out his first playoff run when he was 18 with Colorado, uh, 55 points in 58 games. Well, he also hasn't played a lot of playoff games, right? Like he, he was on a lot of bad teams early on. Yeah, but but you think of like the types of goals he can score. Like he's not, he'll go to the net. He's like there's like a griminess I mean, he, to him, right? He, he almost scored last night, and that would have been yeah, that would have been the thing everyone was talking about if he would have put that one in. Do you think? Do you like this comparison? I was thinking about it when I wrote after the Montreal game, his first game. It really reminds me, and it's not perfectly the same just because of his contractual situation, but it does remind me a lot of the Muzzin acquisition in that, like, he's just totally different from what they had. And Muzzin was the same yeah. way. Like they just brought in a guy who, like, you remember, like the, the first few months with Muzzin. It's like, man, they've never had a player like this. Like, who who does he even play like? And and O'Reilly yeah. feels the same to me. Yeah, I think that that I think that that's right. And you know, I think the Leafs are hoping some of what O'Reilly does rubs off on Matthews and Nylander and Tavares. And so, yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll see what he has left in the tank. I mean, I know he's had a bad year. I mean, uh, you know, the analytics people have been. They're really worried about an age-related decline. I mean, we'll see. But I know last year in the playoffs, he was good. Yep. 12 points, you know, 12 watched, games. I watched some of those. He had seven goals. He was, you know. And they played Colorado, right, in the second round? Yeah. I, I, Minnesota I, in the first, yeah. I believe. And they leaned really heavily on O'Reilly. And so, you know, it's it's – I didn't think he was very good against Montreal, but I think that that's kind of – Understandable. <laughs> you know. It's understandable, yeah. And, you know, and 
everyone's upset about the Chicago game because you lose to the team. Chicago was in dead last before that game. Um, but you know, that's that's a long-standing Leafs issue. I don't think that that's a Ryan O'Reilly issue that they lose that game. No, and we mentioned this, or I mentioned this on the chat with Frege. And I, I was I was going to message you. I was like, can I say this in a story? And I don't think I can, so I didn't. But like, he brings a little bit of fuck you to their lineup, and they need that. And like, I, I think at times in the past, there just hasn't been that. I don't know that bite that like that well if they get into a playoff series and there's like scrums and goofy stuff going on he's he and Achari will have no problem being part of that yeah um any other thoughts on this trade I guess the only thing I wanted to ask you otherwise was um when you compare it to the other players that they could potentially have acquired do you think this is the right move like do you think they would have been better off you know, trying for Kane or do you think like it made sense to really no. go big for Meyer? Do you think this makes the most sense no. for them? No. I, yeah, I think it does. I mean, this, yeah. I mean, I, Meyer is obviously like a higher end player and potentially could keep him in the, on the roster for more than just, and maybe potentially they can keep O'Reilly. Like, I think we can talk about that a little bit, but I think that this makes a lot of sense. It addresses their needs in so many different ways, gives them more center depth, Gives them, makes them better defensively. Add someone with a pedigree who's a, it's, 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 I think it's what they needed. I mean, we'll see how it plays out, but I think it's what they needed. Well, I'm glad you brought up the center depth because that's always something. And even like dating back to like the Mike Babcock days, they've just never had enough like players who can play center legitimately, who can also play the wing. Like all these guys we've talked about, like he can play center. It's like, not really. Like Alex Kerfoot can theoretically play center like he was a center growing up but like he's not ideally he's not a center in the nhl like cal yarncroft is not a center like he he can play center if you if you really need him to but he's he's a winger and and over the years like you look at tampa especially and it's like all the all their best players can all except from like kucherov they all play both positions like they can move back and forth and like your lineup is just so much more flexible when you can do that it's the first time since it was Kadri, Matthews, yeah. Ozak that it felt like that they actually have they're they're deeper there. So and it's important. I I, I sort of think that in the playoffs they're gonna go to having the three guys on three different lines, centering three different lines, but we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, I don't hate that. I mean, I, I think that makes some sense, uh, if that's the way you want to do it. I still lean to the other scenario i don't know how you find minutes for david camp and achari though like it, maybe you have to play achari at the wing if you do that yeah because the fourth line's not going to play very much if you, those are your three centers at even strength well and so maybe your fourth line is like aston reese camp and achari and you just like give them all the defensive zone starts and i i think but how many how are they going to get minutes though, well who cares right? like, like you don't need them gonna, well you don't need them to play but like you just play them 10 12 minutes right like just play the other I guys don't more think they would get that though yeah maybe know. not I mean, the other thing with both these guys uh, is they're going to help the penalty kill. Like little little stuff like that you you don't think of, and like like Achari's already playing a lot in the penalty kill. He gives them a right handed option in the face off circle. He's good on draws. Um, O'Reilly is obviously going to help the penalty kill. Their their second power play actually looks like a real unit now. Remember, like you know. I bet if I went through how many different second power play units, there's probably like 20 
different variations. They just never had a group that can play. And now, like, you, you're not using Pontus Holmberg potentially in a playoff series against Tampa. You know, like, you, your, your lineup is just so much deeper than it was before. Alex Kerfoot could be on the fourth line. Like, his minutes are going to go down a little bit, you know? I did notice that O'Reilly's results on the penalty kill are not outstanding. Yeah. Just just to put that out Those there. Those stats are always really hard to parse because like when you're a first unit penalty killer, your your numbers tend to be worse yeah. than the guy who's on the second unit and like they're not very they good like, and like they were really they were really low. So yeah. Uh, I mean I don't we'll see what that's worth. Well and, and th- he's not he's unlikely to be on their first penalty killing unit, but um he's obviously good in the draw. So yeah. A lot to like there. I'm going to say that, and then he's he's going to go out in the playoffs and, and just be amazing. Penalty, yeah. Kill some big penalty and score a goal, and people will be shoving it in my face. Uh, well, before we take a break and talk about some other stuff, trade deadline related, and then obviously we have to get to the pot bag. You mentioned the extension. I'm with what Kyle Dubas said. Like I, I just think you wait. You need to see. You need to see how this works and how it fits. And obviously, if you're Ryan O'Reilly, like you need to see how it works. And how it fits. Did, he had he had a couple analogies that he used. In yeah, that. those are and a little. The, the, yeah. So the mystery box one, I thought that was a Simpsons reference, but I see some people are saying it's a Family Guy reference. So. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. <laughs> put, put you on the spot. I do not know. I think it wasn't Mr. Burns like pulls out a box with question marks all over it, and he says, "I think I, I think he says to Homer like you can you can trade me for what's in this box." And Homer goes, the box, the box. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. But like, I, I think to your point, like in theory, if it works, you maybe try to get Ryan O'Reilly. Not like you're not going to get him for Mark Giordano, nothing money, but maybe you can get him for three and a half million, four million, like something on a short term deal yeah. where he can be your third center or your second I center think- or whatever. I'm, I want I'm going to write about this in a few days, so I don't want to spoil it too much, but I think. That's probably a little bit on the low side, but okay. it, again, it's going to depend. It'll depend what happens here. I mean, maybe he absolutely loves it here. Yeah. And wants to stay. He seems pretty pumped. You know I mean? His, his dad was tweeting out videos of his kids being excited and, you know, it, it means something to him. His wife's from here. I mean, the, the family stuff's going to come into play. I'm sure his wife's saying like, wouldn't it be nice to move home? And, you know, that's a factor. Yeah. And I think he said his parents are from here. So... Just like Giordano. Uh, All right, let's take a break and then let's get into what might be next for the Leafs. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, James. So they've traded for a 
top six forward, whatever, top nine forward, bottom six forward, Noel Chari, what do you think they should do next? What can they, what do they have to give up still, Jonas? Like, well, I kind of think I dispute there's, there's that. Lots notion, of talk. Yeah, go ahead. There's lots of talk around the league that, I mean, you can dispute it all you want. They don't have a lot. The prospect pool is not very deep. They just gave up four picks. I mean, maybe they can give up another pick, I guess, but they don't, they're not loaded with cap space. They have a little bit. I think they want to leave room under the cap for Matthew Nyes to play on this team. So, and I mean, he's going to get an entry level contract, which is going to be eight, nine hundred thousand dollars It's, but it's not nothing. So if you pencil in Matthew Nyes and you demote some of the pieces that are there, they have about a million bucks under the cap. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I think there's something more. I think people are getting pretty excited about it. I think it's probably going to be like a depth piece if, if there's more that they do before the deadline as opposed to like a real impact player. Okay. Well, so let me counter a couple things. You mentioned they can trade... 2024 first round pick. They can trade a 2025 first round pick. They can trade Matthew Nyes if they want to. They could trade Rasmus Sandin. They could clear cap space by trading Alex Kerfoot. Like there's lots of things they can do if they want to. It's just like, what do they have the stomach to do, right? Like, do they do they really want to trade another first round pick? If you're another team that's out of it, like, do you really want to be paying Alex Kerfoot's contract? Like, I mean, that's well, that's it, like your net negative asset. No, you're but back. you're getting rid of someone else. So in theory. I mean, but they're gonna want, like, you know, like they're gonna want something in the trade that right. Oh, well, yeah, I, I'm not I, talking like you're not trading. So I brought up Dmitry Orlov as like a possibility on defense. Washington's not taking Alex Kerfoot just for Dmitry Orlov, but he would, in theory, go back in that trade to help with space. Yeah, it, but you would have no, to I trade mean, there, other I'm stuff. I'm not saying to there are ways to make the money work. Yeah, for sure. Okay, there, but I mean, you've already given up two picks to help with retention. You know, if you get if you want more retention, it's going to be there's going to be more picks. So, I think if it's if it's someone that makes a real difference, then then yeah, you can trade the first round pick. But I I just I'm I'd be surprised to see them do that, wouldn't you? Like I feel like I know everyone's saying they're all in after the O'Reilly trade, and I even it's on the headline on my story, (laughs) but I don't know that they're like putting every nickel on on the table here, like. Should they be? They're probably if they if they do something. I think there's two options, Jonas. Either they trade for someone with term, or they're getting a depth piece that doesn't cost a lot. Those are the those are that's what I think they're going to do. I don't think they're giving up a first round pick or nice for a rental. What is the point of a depth guy? To uh, like, are you talking like a forward? Depth. Are you talking like a D? Are you talking a goalie? My guess would be my guess would be a defenseman. Would be you know maybe they look at like a. Justin Braun, someone we've talked about in the past, maybe they want someone that's there in case of injury or in case they just don't feel confident with some of the guys that they've got. Okay, well, I think their blue line is not good enough. I don't like their defense right now, especially like their their, their defense is like in a little bit of a weird spot with But so like do you think they're going to make an impact move on defense? Like do you think they're going to add a top 4 defense? I think they I just, should. I, I just don't it. see how you don't do it with what they have right now. Like if you and I, I pointed this out in my story on Monday. Like, go back and look at their defense in Game Seven against Tampa. It's way better than it is now. It just is. Like, you've basically moved up your third pair and made it your second pair. Your extras have now become your third pair. Like, they're they're just not. I just don't see how that's good enough, not only to beat Tampa theoretically, but to win four rounds. Like, it just you're counting on too many variables. Like, you're counting on Rasmus Sandin theoretically, and Timothy Logren, who have barely played in the playoffs. And we're basically not 
usable in Sheldon Keith's estimation in the playoffs last year. Mark Giordano is 39. You're going to play him 22 minutes a night against like really good players every other night in the playoffs. Like I just don't see how that's feasible. Morgan Riley is obviously not the best defensive player. Like I just don't. It doesn't look yeah. good enough to me. I don't. You're, you're not wrong. I'm just saying like what's what's realistic. Yeah, here, you're, it's a fair counter. Like I don't know. Like like I I like Orlov, but. I think that they should certainly look at that, but like, what's Washington's going to want a first round pick? Yeah, for sure. Sure, yeah, you're right. And and the Leafs probably aren't going to be able to resign him. No, I mean, like Pierre LeBrun reported that the sticking point with his next contract with Washington has been term, and he is, I believe, thirty one. Yeah, he wants seven years, right? And he, you know, he's going to want. He's only making five right now. He's going to want more than that. He's 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 good. Like he's a. Got to see Orlov up close. Up close, I remember that series when the Leafs played against them. I was like, "Yeah, this, I like this guy." Like, yeah, you know, he's everything that they need. Right. But the only way it makes sense, Jonas, if you're giving up first round pick or you're giving up Nyes or whatever, is if you can get the guy signed. That's the only way it makes sense. Yeah, and and so like we've talked about Gavrikov and like would you sign him for Muzzin money? And like I think about it. I mean, I guess the only thing is like, do those players want to commit to signing? Do you want to commit to signing players like before you even know if they fit? That's like the other thing. I, I guess the question, the bigger picture question I wanted to ask you is like, when you, you've already gone in, like how much further do you like, do you just keep shoving assets when you're already, you've already pushed so many into the table? Like if you have this need and you've already parted with four picks for a couple guys, you just say, you know what? Like, fuck it. Like we, this is, this is our shot. Like we got to go for it. We're not good enough. You know? So much swearing on the show, Jonas. Sorry, it's James. family day. Sorry. It's it no, I'm not offended. <laughs> I just think it, I just think it's funny. Just sometimes you get fired up. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, I think so you think you would trade your first round pick for a rental defenseman? I mean, it have to be a pretty good player. Well, I mean, if it's Orlov, like or, or the other possibility, like I've talked about a lot, is like maybe you I mean, does Washington want Rasmus Sandine and that kind of deal? Like if you're getting a defenseman, in theory, maybe you're signing that defenseman, maybe maybe you trade Sandine. I don't know. Yeah, I mean the other thing, like I, I was me- messaging you a bunch last night, is do you need to like consider adding another goalie? Like this Matt Murray thing, they've downplayed it. It it's worrying to me if I'm if I'm in that front office and it's like he's already missed almost a month. Well, they put him on LTIR and it's like wasn't he supposed to be coming back? <laughs> yeah, dude was no, said on whatever February whatever ninth or tenth that it was he was probably a couple weeks away, and now it's like a couple weeks later, and it's like. He's not coming back until like basically the first game he can play is March 1st in Edmonton. And that, I mean, Sheldon Keefe said the other day that he is still not able to do everything that he needs to do because of his ankle. And it's like, this has been a long time. And this was something that was lingering before. Well, and how many games did Matt Murray play last season? 20? Like he, (laughs) you know. Yeah. And he's played 19 this year. Like this is. I don't know. Like you can't come into the season being like we need two goalies and we need two goalies to play, and then like one of them is like maybe yeah he played twenty games last year. One of them might not. I mean, who knows? I don't know when he's going to come back and how much he'll be able to play. Well, I don't think it's be the able worst idea. Healthy. Yeah, I don't think it's the worst idea to throw a fifth or sixth round pick out there and get get some insurance and goal. I mean, but only they know where that his health is at, right? Like we don't know where, right? But I think. You know, they they still have almost two weeks here till the deadline. I guess you give it another week and see where he's at, and then maybe you go get a depth. I mean, it's it'd be amazing if if they add two forwards and a 
defenseman and a goalie before the deadline. Like that's uh, that's a lot. That's all in. All in, baby. I mean, you just, I guess if I was in that front office, I just wouldn't want to be looking back in May or whatever and being like, like Samsonov has struggled or whatever. And like Matt Murray is not available. And it's like Joseph Wall is starting game six against Tampa. Like, and and I'm thinking, man, like we should have just got another guy. And now granted, like you could say, well, how much better is Thomas Grice than Joseph Wall, maybe not much better, if better at all. But it's like, at least you know he's been in these games before, whereas like, you're just going to roll the dice on Wall or Shalgren, who who knows how they'll handle it. Like, imagine if you have to play one of those guys in Tampa, James. Like, I don't know. Like, you're probably fucked. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on today? I don't know. This is, this, is a, this is a new Jonas. Yeah. Yeah. Thomas Grice has played... Yeah, he's played, he's played like 20 some odd playoff games. 16, it looks like. Seven, six, 17. Played one for San Jose way back in 2010. Wow. Thomas Grice is 37 years old. Yeah, he's older than I thought. I mean, what about like like even Craig Anderson? Like, I don't know what Buffalo's going to well, do, but like. You're going just, even older now. Are you going to bring Luongo someone out of retirement? I, just someone who doesn't terrify me playing in Tampa in game six of like, you have to play another guy. Like the funny thing with Grice is if you could get him for a half retention, then he's cheaper than even wall. And like, he'd be making less than league minimum. So it's actually doesn't hurt you on the cap. Yeah. I pointed that out my story credit to you because that was your nugget. So it's not like there's like a cap consideration. I guess the roster thing like you, you would potentially, if Murray comes back, have to just hang on to three goalies, but like, I don't know who cares. Hmm. Anyway, all right. Is there anything else uh, you want to touch on before we get to the pot bag? Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe just briefly, like kind of how the trade deadline's shaping up. It seems like everyone's trying to beat the deadline, so like the actual day, there might not might not be a lot of fireworks. It's not going to surprise me if the Leafs don't do anything else. Like I could no. see, I see yeah. a world where that could happen. Do you think that you're saying you're saying you don't like the defense? Would you just try and find an upgrade over Timmons and Sandine, or or at least someone who's like got a little bit more experience? And then that's a good question. I mean, I guess I just don't know. So like Luke Shen is someone that's been talked about. I just don't know what that really does for you. I mean, so you're still you still would have the same issues where it matters that you had before. So yes, he brings a different element. Like he's big, he's physical, he's played in the playoffs, but like you look when he's played in the playoffs, he barely plays. I don't know. Like, I just don't know that that really changes anything. Yeah. I'm just thinking very specifically to that Muzzin role because he, he played such an important role. And now like you're having to use Giordano in that role. And granted, like he's had a good year, but like the playoffs are different. He's older. And did you see that stat that Giordano's? five block shots away from being the all-time leader in, in the NHL. Yeah, I didn't know that. I saw like uh, Fridge and Jeff Merrick had him on their podcast and we're talking about that. I didn't know that. I mean, I've written about how many block shots he has this year and like he like sells out to get block shots. Like he earns those block shots. Love it. It's like old school. I mean, the, the league's only kept track of block shots since like 07. So it really would only be like his generation of players that would be eligible for that. But still, it's pretty cool. Yeah, so how many does he have this year? He has 108 and 57 games. Yeah, he's that's like me, lot. and uh, that's how I play the uh, 
gel the the video game. I'm just a I just jump in front of every block shot. I put on all the modifiers to make sure I have got the most shot blocking ability. Yeah, the difference is he actually feels it. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the game, if sometimes if you block a shot, you get hurt. <laughs> yes. Then you got to deal with that. So you kind of feel it a little bit. It makes an impact. Yeah. <laughs> so he's playing, by the way, 19 and a half minutes this year. And obviously a lot of those, like he played bigger minutes when some of the injuries. I see what you're saying, but I mean, that's why someone like McCabe comes into play because it's like, yeah, he's not amazing, but at least it's like a guy that, you know. Yeah, I just, I don't see when like things actually matter that Keith would play McCabe ahead of Giordano. I just don't think so. Hmm. And like, that's the thing, like you think back to that series, like how good Giordano and Hall were last year. They were the third pair. This sounds like a story you should, you should be asking Keith about the blue line and where it's at. Yeah. I'd read that column at theathletic.com. Yeah, I got a lot of other ideas kicking around my head. Anyway. All right, let's take a break and then let's get to the pod bag. Okay, James, what have you got for us? today by the way morgan riley 400 career points now yeah i was trying to do the math on what's the, what's the all-time franchise record on the leafs for points by a defenseman I it's, believe it's solving, solving and it is here i can just pull it really quickly 850 it's a lot uh yeah he 768 hmm. so riley right now so, is fifth so if riley's already got 400 and he's played so these are the top five james uh, Borja Salming, 768. Thomas Caberlet, 520. Tim Horton, 458. Ian Turnbull, 414. Morgan Riley, 401. Look how close he is to Caberlet already, who feel like he played here forever. Yeah. I mean, more than likely, O'Re- or O'Reilly. Riley probably ends up second. Like, it, it's going to be hard to catch Salming. No, I guess if he plays the full term of the deal, maybe. All right. Uh, Ryan says, if Brandon Pridham gets wacky with the bourbon and abacus, what is the biggest swing the Leafs can make trade-wise? What's the biggest swing they could make? It'd probably be a defenseman. I mean, something like Orlov would be pretty huge. Yeah. I can't think of anything bigger. I mean, they're obviously, they're out on Meyer now. And There's Kane not. doesn't really make sense anymore either. There's just like, you. that was such a good point you made when we were just messaging about it it's like there's not really like that's why you had to do this trade because like if you miss on this like you, i was even thinking they might get stuck not being able to do much of anything i i thought maybe they were just going to like add like a third liner and a fourth line forward and that's all they were going to be able to do i think part of why that there's the change of heart about trading the rental i'm, I'm sure dubis went to shanahan it was like if we don't do this what are we doing <laughs> you know like right like what are we trading what are we getting this is our option is to do this well and it's like if well we're only going to do it for players with term it's like well how, who's who are these players that our teams are going to trade with term like there there can't be that many who are actually good players and who you know they're going to cost you even more right all right nick says do you have any thoughts on they made a big trade but they lost to chicago i don't understand how a team thinks it has cup aspirations while still having bad enough bad habits to lose to these tanking teams, seems the opposite of Stanley Cup habits. Do you have anything more to add to that? I mean, it's it's confounding how often this this keeps happening with this team. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I, I just don't think it matters in the end. Like it matters in the sense that like if you want to talk about why they're not 
why they're going to face Tampa in the first round and why they're not challenging the division. It's like, well, they've lost to a lot of bad teams. They've thrown away points. But do I think it matters when you look ahead to the playoffs? No. Like, they they played Tampa. They obviously lost to Tampa, so you can say whatever you want. But it's like, that series is as close as you can get against the back-to-back cup champs. And they had some bad losses last year. Like, I don't know that it matters as far as, like, what this team can be. Because when the stakes are highest and they face good teams like this is they obviously dial it up it just hurts you in the standings like i don't know if that i don't know if you you feel like i'm letting them off i just don't know that it matters except in the sense that it hurts you in the standings and like tampa could pass them because they have all these losses too this question is a change of pace but the person has asked it a couple of times so i'll just throw it out i don't know what response you have to this he says uh since brian burke left the leafs uh with dubas in charge what pride initiatives are the Leafs involved with? Obviously, the the pride initiatives around the league have become really controversial with what happened in Philadelphia with Provorov not not wearing the, the jersey and the Rangers canceling their initiatives. Do you know off the top of your head what the... Like, the Leafs obviously are, are part of the pride parade every year. Like, Morgan mm-hmm. Riley has been in it. Was Bunting in it last year? Dubas is often in it. Yep. They've, they've been part of the pride parade. It feels like every year, going back to when Brian Burke did it. Um, but they haven't done like a pride Jersey or pride night at their arena this year. Right. That I can recall. I don't know if they've done it this year, but I believe they've done it in the past. If I'm not mistaken, like they've had, you can play nights. I think. Yeah. I recall those. Like they've always been very supportive of those initiatives. Yeah. Part of the reason I didn't bring this question up when we were asked it before is I just wasn't sure. So it's one of those ones we should probably like ask the team. Um, but it's a fair question. Um, you know, if they have a Pride Night scheduled. And part of what's happening, I think, is that some teams were going to do Pride Nights and now they're not because there are players that don't want to be a part of them, which is not good. Well, and and it, this is like they have Mark Frazier, the former Leaf. He's the manager of culture and inclusion for the franchise. So like they're, they're trying different ways for sure. as far as outreach, for sure. And you see Mark Fraser around, right? Like I haven't a been lot, around the yeah. team that much this year, but he's certainly... The games I've been at, he's he's been there, so yeah. he's he's involved. Can I remember, you know, like, I used to like asking Mark Fraser. Like, he was always pretty patient about explaining things. So, like, I remember, like, he would take me to the whiteboard and show me certain things that they were trying to do, <laughs> and like, I was like talking to that guy. Yeah, he's a smart guy. I think I believe his dad's a judge. So, um, and a former, uh, I think, a former Olympic sprinter. I think mm. if I remember correctly, um. Dan, oh, here, here's one that might qualify as a home run swing. Dan says, uh, what's the likely acquisition cost of Jacob Chikrin? Who off the roster would need to be sacrificed in order to fit him in? Is in the realm of reasonable to acquire him for Sandine plus plus without including Matthew Nyes? The, the Chikrin conversation has always been around the league that Arizona was asking for a lot. That's part of why he hasn't, you know, he basically... I think he requested a trade, right? In the offseason. I mean, like he's he's wanted to change the scenery for a while. Um, you know, and Elliot, I think on our show on Friday mentioned that maybe Columbus could be a team that's looking at him. I think I think Chickren would cost a lot. I think they would be looking for probably a roster player and a first round pick and a prospect. You know, and the Do you debate think he is, fits for the Leafs? Like I don't like for what they need. No, I mean he's more of I always see him as more of an offense first kind of defenseman than. Well, and they have one of those, right? 
and the other thing too is he's had so many injuries. Like the injuries, I think with Chikrin are probably the scariest thing more than just style. Of yeah, play. I mean, what do you think? The, if, just a guess. How many? What's the most games you think he's played in a year? Uh, I don't know. High sixties. Sixty-eight games his first season with Arizona. Since then, fifty, fifty-three, sixty-three, fifty-six, forty-seven, thirty-six. Like yeah. That's always downplayed with him. Is like, are you going to give up like two, three really good assets for someone who? And his latest injury is, was really bad and took forever to come back from. What do you think about the idea of them holding him out? I'm okay with it as long as it's not... Like, I don't think you should hold a guy out for longer than like 10 days. Well, okay. Well, it's been 10 days now. Yeah. I get it though. Like, I understand what... Like, that's their number one asset. It's really important for them that they can make that trade, especially with all the injuries that he's had. Would but, it concern you for the league? Because like, w- what if teams are just like, you know what? Like, we're going to start sitting, if we're bad, we're just going to sit Jacob Chikrin in December. Like, we don't want to risk. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. Do you know, do I, I know the NBA, this happens. Like, do other leagues, like, is there rules on this or? I mean, no. it's kind of hard to like put a rule in, right? That you can't sit whoever you want. I've never seen this. Like, even in the NBA, I've never seen sitting for trade purposes like there have been situations like a a few years back like phoenix sat a guy because they just wanted basically to tank but Hmm. i've not seen it where it's like we're gonna trade this guy so we're just gonna sit him that i can recall i think it's okay if it's like a short period of time but that i get uneasy with it if it goes on for a long time if that makes well, sense and, and i think cj reported that there are teams that are kind of uneasy about it because like let's say they're playing arizona and Arizona is now like not dressing their best defenseman, and you're competing with one of those teams. I don't know. There's integrity yeah. stuff that you can yeah. quibble with. Yeah. Although, I mean, integrity feels like it's out the window this year with how like look at all the teams at the bottom, right? Like, yeah. When you're when you're actively trying to trade for Peter Morazic, I mean, like, it, <laughs> you know, PD still looks like PDA. He. Uh, yeah, definitely. People were worried going to that game that he was going to put up a a, a Hasek like performance instead of a Morazic performance, and that did not happen. Oy. Man, you see how many of the questions Jonas are about them losing to bad teams. Like, this is my I fault. Get for it. I get it. I can understand it. it. Would be frustrating as a fan. I just don't know what it means. I don't know what else we can say. But like, there's like, like most of the questions or a large part of the questions are about this. All right. Uh, here, Paul's got a, a mock lineup for us to look at and see what we think if to face Tampa, they should do this. Bunting, Matthews, Nylander, Yarncroft, Tavares, Marner, Engvall, O'Reilly, Achari, Aston Reese, Camp, Kerfoot. So kind of like what we talked about where, um, although not spreading it out, I mean, you're playing O'Reilly with Engvall and Achari. Like that's not really putting him in a position to succeed. And I think the problem, like, if O'Reilly's not generating any offense for you, I think that that's a problem. Well, and, and I guess one of the questions, like if you do the alternative, like the lineup they have now, is like what are you going to be able to get offensively from those bottom two lines? I think they might be able to get a little bit. Like Yarncock Engvall Camp has the potential to get you a couple goals in a series, and that Achari with Kerfoot and Aston Reese, like maybe they can get you a couple too. Like I like the potential more than what they've had in the past. Like you remember, James, like I was talking to masters about this they literally started clifford and simmons on their fourth line for two games in the in the playoffs last year those guys aren't in the league 
Yeah. And nor should they be, right? Yeah. And, nor should, and they shouldn't have been in the lineup at that point. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. how... They should have went in. A, they should have acquired someone that ensured that those guys weren't playing. Well, they, they got one guy, but it wasn't enough, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, Curtis wants to know, why are the Leafs waiting to re-sign Dubas? All he has done is shown he has what it takes to make the team better every year. He's done a terrific job. If they let him walk, almost every other team will be jumping at the chance to sign him. Am I wrong? Who's an upgrade the Leafs could even get as the GM? Honestly, I, at this point, Jonas, I think that this is like an ownership thing where like they want to see some playoff results because they're just not happy with they're not happy with losing in the playoffs. It's funny, like the Leafs have such a a good process for the most part, but like you you do need results at some point, you know. Like you can do everything right, but if you keep, I, I still think it made sense to to resign him before this Why season. Why didn't they just? Why not just give him like a one year contract extension and then like I would want to I think I would give him one more year like get get Matthew signed it seems like he's the best person to get Matthew signed and say or, or, or James like even if you do like a three year deal who like they, you can just fire him like if let's say they lost yeah. in the playoffs you could just be like okay thanks we're gonna change like it's not like the money is an issue for them like you just kind of create this storm around your team that is unnecessary that's what never made sense to me it's like why. What's the point of this? Like, well, what it's are you almost like they didn't have. Yeah, they didn't. It seems like they didn't really have this planned out, right? Like, they should have just ex- extended Dubas. You know, last year they have the 115 point season or whatever. Like, do it at the end of the regular season and say, "Here's like another year or two or whatever." And you're right; they can just walk away from it whenever you want. Now it's like a, I don't know. There's something. There's something not right with everything that's going well, on here. I mean, and, and think about like how much like it keeps coming up. And like, I, I don't, I find it kind of semi relevant now. Like, I don't think it changes anything in the way that he operates, but y- you just add questions that are unnecessary. Like, it just, I don't know. Like, it was an organizational thing that never made sense to me. So, if, if you're one of these teams that's looking at changing your general manager and you're kind of need someone to come in and, reboot things i mean i think absolutely you should be interested in in dubas oh he would be hired like right away yeah and that's that's not a good sign if that's the guy you're letting go and it's like to the to the question's point like who are you getting that's better well the other thing too is like you look at who they've lost to you know like they were the underdog the the series that they needed to win was columbus and montreal right so like those yeah those are bad ones you know, losing to Tampa or losing to Boston or Washington. I mean, in most of those series, they were the underdog. What are you going to do? You know, the playoff format kind of screws them a little bit in some of those series. Well, and he's shown himself that like, he's not so dug in in his ways that he's not willing to change stuff. Like he's evolved in terms of some of the things that he's done over the years. Obviously the one big thing he hasn't done is he hasn't touched that core and that could backfire. That could be the thing that hurts them. In the end, it yeah. also could be the thing that wins them a cup. Well, he so. needs that core to like step up and beat Tampa, right? He needs them to, you know, show that the faith that he put in them is. He needs one or two of those guys to just go, yes, have 12, 13 points in the first round. That's what we haven't we haven't really seen. Speaking of which, I thought Matthews looked really good against Montreal. Yeah, not as good wasn't, as in stock. Wasn't as noticeable Chicago. against Chicago. Yeah, 
it's it, you know Matthews is going to finish the year with what like forty two goals or something like that. Probably not even right. Like not with even the games with the games he's missed. Yeah, I mean, who would have had it? Like, imagine the odds you could have got if you bet like Neil yeah. and to lead the team in scoring and goals. Yeah. Like he, well, imagine I mean, he's not even really get, that far ahead. Anyway, imagine you bet that Matthews wouldn't get to forty five goals. I mean, like, look at the year he had last year. Everyone was like, "Oh, can he score seventy this year?" That was me. I was way <laughs> off. I was totally wrong. He has 26 goals in 50 games. Like he, what do you think he ends with? Like 37, 38, 39? It's hard. Uh, like, yeah, it's hard to believe. I mean, and I do think that the injury and everything is has been a big part of that, but, you know. Well, you, you know where that doesn't get talked about, James, is like, does this have any effect on his next contract? I, I don't think so. But it's not like he'll be coming off a 65 goal season and needing to sign an extension, you know? But like, he but may have an unbelievable to playoffs. Guy, yeah, that's yeah, you all want him that in the playoffs that can score a goal a game, you know? Where and it last year going into the playoffs, it felt more likely than this year. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is a good segue. Andrew says if the Leafs don't advance far in these playoffs, what are your expectations on the next key moves? Will Matthews want to, si- want to sign and stay? It's, I mean, who knows? I don't know. It's definitely a wild card, though. If they lose in the first round and they fire Kyle Dubas, and it's going to depend on who the next GM is. And Matthews holds all, a lot of the cards, too, because as of July 1, he's got a no-move clause. And, you know, and there's the Nylander one to figure out, too. The playoffs, like, is it's like we always say the playoffs are everything, but, like, they are everything in ways that they never were before. Like they are franchise changing. Like they'll go in a different direction if they lose. Yeah. This is this is like this really we've said it probably too often in the past. This really is the last stand. It's the last stand for Dubas and this core and everything. Yeah. Uh Justin says, Is there anyone who believes the Leafs can beat the Lightning, then the Bruins, then the Canes or Rangers in succession? And if not, what is the point? It's a very <laughs> existential question. Yeah. What is the what's the point, Jonas? They can beat those teams. Like I don't why not? I guess I don't. People are feeling fate. People are feeling fatalistic. I mean, what would worry me the most about Tampa is their goalie. Um, I guess what would worry me most about Boston is just how I don't know. Like they're just like a machine with an unbelievable first line and good defense. Their goalie is Boston's been always matched unreal. up stylistically in a way that like the Leafs are not good against teams like that. It's not their strength beating Boston just waits for them for you to make a mistake and then capitalizes and that's the way they've been all the way along and they're still like that change yeah. the coach and you char retires it doesn't matter they're still like that they just have an identity and it's talk about slaying the dragon though if the Leafs could have, like I, I wanted to see the Leafs play Boston in the first round this year like I thought that would be fantastic I well, guess I mean, it Tampa, would, Tampa yeah. would be slaying a different dragon well, it would be pretty like for a storybook if they were to beat Tampa and then beat Boston. You know what I mean? Like the two monsters. Oh, it'd be something. And then you get the Rangers in the third round. I mean, if you beat those two teams, yeah, you can beat the Rangers. Yes. Although it'd be pretty leafy if they didn't. <laughs> Remember that one year? Remember the year when they, what was it, 02? Where they uh, got through and they, they got to the third round and they're like, oh, like the path to the final is right there. And then Carolina beats them. Handily. Yeah. Uh, Fiona wants to know: Is Dubis done? What do you think? What do you say the percent chances are that they make another trade for someone that plays in their either top six or top twelve forwards? Forwards? 
No, like top six D or top. Oh. Like, what's the chances that they acquire a player who's like on the roster for game one of the playoffs? 40%? Do you think that's too high? No, I think that that's probably about right. I mean, it, like, I can't imagine they're not having the same concerns that I have. Like, I don't know how yeah. they would well, feel we otherwise. Heard all the, we were hearing for months that they were, still wanted to add a defenseman. Well, and I mean, if you go back to that press conference that Dubas gave before the trade, he said that they kind of are hoping they can upgrade up front and on D. And he ruled out goaltending and he ruled it out again the other day, but he did say, you know, paraphrasing, we, we still have two weeks and if things change, we can change. So, I mean, they've addressed the forward. Can they address the D? All right, let's go. This is a good last question. We can close out the show in it. It's a segue from what you just said. William says, Cam Sharon wrote glowingly about Justin Hall. I actually asked him to do that because he was tweeting all these things about Justin Hall. I was like, why don't you just like write about him? And like, he's a guy who's a UFA that potentially lose. Uh, William's question is, Cam Sharon wrote glowingly about Justin Hall, yet you and Jonas see things differently. Please discuss. That's not true. I've I've been like, Hall is underrated for a long time. Yeah, we're not. That's we're not, not true. Down, we're not down on Justin Hall. It's just, I think this team just has to rely on him too much. Yes. I, I just think that he's, it feels like he's too high in the lineup playing against players who are too good too frequently. And to his credit, he's been excellent in the playoffs. He was good last year. He didn't start that series. He came in. He was good. He was good the year before. It's a, it's a guy that was in the ECHL when Kyle Dubas saw him, played his way up through with the Marlies. He only makes $2 million. I mean, I, none of this is like, it's not really a slight on Justin Hall. The question is just like, you know, what did he play against Chicago? 23 minutes? 22 22. He led like, the team. It's, yeah. It's, it's too much. Well, and it would be one thing like if you had, it's it's kind of like the pieces together too. It's like, in theory, you would be playing him in a playoff series with Giordano, who's like I mentioned, just like older. It's in, we've seen it can work, you know, when he has like Jake Muzzin, prime Jake Muzzin. I don't know. Like I, if he, he should be in their playoff lineup. Like, I don't think there's any doubt for me about that. I mean, and yet like, Last year, he did not start that series. I said that was going to be the last question, but this one, this one's kind of here's here's a spicy one for you. Perry says, uh, with with Nashville falling out of the playoff race and comments yeah. about doing a sell off, I wonder if UC Saros could be had. Yeah, <laughs> I mentioned Matthias Eckholm in my story today. I don't know about Saros. Did you have anyone? I I didn't get a chance to look at your story yet, but we were talking about it last night. Do you have anyone other than Orlov and Ekholm as potential like dark horse defenseman candidate to look at? I mean, Philadelphia has Nick Sealer, who is not young. So, like, I mean, if you're them, what, what does he matter? He's 29. He's big. Uh, he makes like nothing. Like he's seven seventy five, I believe, for this year and next. So, someone like that would be like a guy you're bringing in to replace Jordy Ben as like your seventh, eighth defenseman. Mm, he might maybe plays on your third pair. But again, that goes back to like my question about some of those other guys. It's like, what does that really do for you? I mean, Carson Soucy Fridge mentioned he's a, like, he's a monster physically. I just, again, like, I don't know how, if that's changing enough. It's hard. Like it's hard. I mean, this goes back to something you've, you and I have talked about. It kind of goes back to the decision in the offseason, like with Muzzin, like the problem with not doing it then is you risk something happening and then it's like, well, how do you replace him? It's easier to replace him in theory in the offseason, right? Yeah. 
Anyway, actually, you so know, look, looking, there were a lot of questions today, and again, apologies to the ones we didn't get to. There are actually a lot of questions about the goaltending, like more than I expected. There's, I think there should be. That it's, it's not like it's not a great situation, and we'll see. Like uh, Ilya Samsonov, it's not like it's not like he's like. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a goalie. It's not like he has this amazing history in the playoffs or like he's always been this great starter. Like who knows, like who knows how he'll respond if his workload continues to be what it is. He's had a good year, but well, and I think that that's, that's probably ammunition for the people that, that do think Dubas should lose his job is that if Murray's hurt and Samson doesn't get done and it done in the first round, then certainly that was a failing on the front office's part. Yes. The gamble on, on Matt Murray, today is not looking great. Yeah. I mean, he has another year on his contract. And to your point, I keep referring to messages you sent me, but like to your point, it's like, that's that's not a good investment to spend $4.6 million no. on a guy who no. has played 19 games. Well, look how, how little cap space they had in the offseason to do anything. And then they, that was the biggest thing that surprised me about the Murray deal is that it was just, it was just a lot of, it was a lot of their real estate to do something was, was, spent on a guy that didn't really look like it was an upgrade over, I don't know, like, again, maybe they should have just went with Samsonov and another cheap goalie, and if it was a problem, acquire a goalie in midseason. Like, maybe that was the way to go. Yeah. I mean, like, maybe you go two wild cards, like Kevin Lankinen or something like that, but, like, he made one and a half. Going to be interesting, Jonas. Yeah, it's, it's we're on standby for the next trade until Feb or March 3rd. Are we doing another podcast this week? I think we're probably waiting till next week. Yeah, when we are on the West Coast. So maybe we'll do one in Seattle? Yeah, that'd be fun. Play a little Nirvana, some Pearl Jam. (laughs) I don't think we have the rights to that music. You'll have to listen to me. You'll have to listen to me play it. Is Soundgarden a a Seattle band too? I believe so, yes. Yeah, no, actually, I'm, I'm certain that they are, yeah. Which of those three, if you had to pick one? Yeah, they are. Uh, that one is a complete no-brainer. It's Nirvana for sure. Like, not even, not even close. Okay. All right. I think that's probably true. I like Soundgarden a lot, but yeah. No, I like both. Those. I like all of those bands. They're still in rotation on my Spotify playlist. Actually, last year I got my like year-end thing. Are you on Spotify? Uh, I no. I use I, Apple. At, at the end of the year, they do this. I don't know if Apple does this or not. It has this like wrapped thing, and it says like who your most listened to artist was. Yeah, and I was really surprised because mine came up as Pearl Jam, which is I was not expecting. So I love seeing those lists. Yeah, Pearl Jam. Wow, which album? Well, it doesn't. It just says like which artist did you listen to the most uh, this year? Gotcha. I think I was like going into their back catalog a bit, and I've seen them in concert a couple of times, and. I don't know. I just wouldn't have picked them as like my, they're not my favorite band. So I don't know. So we can't get the rights to them. So you might have to listen to them. Maybe I'll just play some on guitar on the next show. Well, I don't, <laughs> then I'd have to bring my guitar on the road. Yeah. Probably not a good idea. Not a good idea. All right. Well, we will talk next week or the next time they make a trade. It's spicy. We love the trades. All right, James. Yeah, if you haven't signed up for The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash leaf report. Uh, we have lots of stories on the trades. Uh, Josh wrote about Connor Timmons this week. Uh, you mentioned Cam wrote about Justin Hall. There's lots to pick through and dissect. Talk next week. Thanks, James. <laughs>